and welcome to this episode of Wade In on Monday morning. Now, normally we would be in pretty jovial form on a Monday morning, but there is sadly somewhat of a somber feel in the racing world at the moment. And that, of course, carries through onto this Wade In podcast after the devastating news that came out on Saturday that the young jockey Jack de Bromhead was killed in a pony racing accident in Ireland. And look, there really is just no words, I don't think, when it comes to tragedies like this. And make no mistake, this is a tragedy of the very highest order. He's just a young lad, 13 years old, doing what he loved best. And all we can really say on this show is that our sympathies are with the de Bromhead family at this time, to Henry, Heather, Mia and Georgia. Uh, the racing community has been rocked by your loss and we all send our deepest condolences and our thoughts and prayers are very much with you at what is simply a pretty horrific time. And Kevin, it just seems a bit crass for me to then go in and ask you how your weekend was off the back of that. Because as I say, I just think we've all really been rocked by this news. And I'm sure you yourself have felt that over the weekend as well. Yeah, sure. Look, it's just an absolute shocker, Vanessa. I don't think it gets a, a whole lot worse than a, than the tragic death of a child, you know, and one from a a family like th- that we all know so well and respect so much in, in our business. Um, yeah, just like you say, no words. I won't even attempt to try and to try and articulate it. It was just, it's just horrific. Um, the, the, the family just have such a, a tough time ahead of them. Uh, and yeah, yeah, sorry. I just, I've, I've I'm not even no going to try and, I'm not even going to try and say any more because I think we all, everyone understands, you know, the gravity of this and, this is just the, the pure, the sheer sadness of it. Um, yeah. So look, all you can do is pass on your, your your thoughts and commiserations and condolences in such a tough time. Absolutely. And Tony, um, you know, since the news came through, it's kind of all I've been able to think about. And as Kevin has said, and you're a family man yourself, um, yeah. like Kevin says, it does. It just doesn't get much worse, does it? No. Um, it's, it's difficult. It's impossible to kind of like, accurately kind of like convey what you know what they think they're going through because obviously like for any parent losing a child is just off the scale isn't it so mm-hmm. um what it just and obviously he was quite well known and I mean, it sounds harsh but i'm of the opinion that you know every every death is is a tragedy unless and it's heightened by the fact you know if you knew the family or you know you involved you know, in in what he was doing as well. So yeah, it's 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 a thankless task trying to trying to put into words because, like you say, there's no words that can do it do the tragedy the justice that it is. But um, I, I see that they they suspended horse and pony racing for the rest of the season uh, this morning uh, on the back of that. So he's obviously held in 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 very high regard even even for his tender years. So yeah, he's um, yeah he's got nothing to add really no um let's move on guys then and we will talk about the racing at the weekend and a bit of a rattle through the weekend review and let's start with the group one betfair sprint up at haydock kevin minzal winning for owen burrows seems like a nice guy owen burrows every time he's interviewed i seem to think he just gets nicer jim crowley shadwell's good season continue and this horse improving as the season goes on i think it's fair to say yeah, like he's he's always looked a very good horse for this. In fairness, like going back to his, his juvenile days, um, like he, he won the, the gym crack there in, in fabulous style at the time. Maybe it wasn't a super strong renewal, but 
he, he was very well fancied for what was a very good renewal of the middle park afterwards and he, and he ran he ran wild to finish third but it's just been a slow build he he did an interrupted campaign last season um and he's just built and like you say as this season has gone on and this was a peak effort um you know drew away and, and won very well um like time was very fast and what was quick ground um uh, you know look we had non runners we'll talk about the the circumstances around the quickening ground later on but um what he did was very impressive. It, it stamps him as one of the better sprinters um, on the you know Irish and British scene. And yeah, this this is a stallion in the making. Vanessa is by Maymas, who's obviously one of the coming forces in terms of speed stallions in Europe. And I strongly suspect this fella will be will be standing at stud um, somewhere. Not necessarily, it's not guaranteed to be with Shadwell. Um, I dare, I dare venture, but uh, he will he will be standing um, prominently next season. I suspect. Yeah, absolutely. Something to look forward to in the breeding area anyway. Um, Tony, on I was watching this on terrestrial television and on ITV and there seemed to be a sort of um, afterwards a couple of comments on, on there with them saying that, you know, this is the star of the sprinting division. But for a moment, I thought that they'd slightly forgot about High, uh, Highfield Princess, who, of course, form gets a big old Frank here. And I was thinking, hang on a minute. I think we already have a star of the sprinting division, don't we? Yeah, definitely. I mean, what you'd have to say is that the performance Minzal put up there was much improved. So it'd be interesting to see how they bet if they do go head to head, you know, if they do have a rematch. Because, like I said, Minzal in beating last year's winner by nearly four lengths there in the Betfair Sprint Cup was, uh, was a phenomenal effort, wasn't it? And, you know, I, I see he's now five to two favourite for the, for the champion sprint. And, you know, Ascot in November may be likely to get softer ground, but he has got form on soft ground and good to soft ground. Um, yeah, I was usually impressed, but, you know, there's a recency bias, isn't there, when people talk about performances and, you know, mm-hmm. if you go back and have a look at the Highfield Princess performances, you know, I can totally take your point there, Vanessa. Yeah, and as you say, Minzal now 5-2 to two favourite from 9-2 to two for the Champion Sprint at Ascot on Champions Day. And another horse at a bigger price who had a bit of a market move uh, in that division is Fresh, who was winning at Ascot again, back-to-back Ascot, seven furlong handicaps for this horse. James Fanshawe, Danny Tudhope. Uh, this was off 102, Kevin, a mark of 102. Um, he's got quotes of 20-1 to 1 now for the Champions Sprint. Would you have any interest in him in this division or is he just a high-grade handicapper? Um, you couldn't say he can't be a high grade sprinter, but you know, normally I dare say it would happen a little bit faster for them. You know, it's it's you think back to last year, you know, he was he was just touched off in the Walkingham of 96, mm. you know, and he's winning this off 102. You know, that's not necessarily the rate of progression that you'd associate with, with a handicapper that could end up being a group one horse. So, look, to me, it seems unlikely, but we know as sprinters that they can they can come alive and um. Yeah, look, he 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 deserved this. In fairness, you know, he's been, he's been a super consistent horse in the main, much of the way through. Second big win in succession, um, and yeah, look, he, he'll be up into the kind of 105, 106, 107, You know, so he still yeah. has ground to make up. But you wouldn't like to say that he couldn't do it. But uh, twenty to one, no thanks. Yeah, I mean, no, not for me. And he's Tony. He's sixes from tens for the Air Gold Cup. If he goes there, he carry. He goes off one. Well, how does that work? He goes off one o two, but he'll carry his penalty. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, he's not going to get put up. He might be badly in there because he's, he's yeah. going to go yeah. up for a net victory. 
Yeah, yeah, get a five, yeah. You get a, well, get a five pound penalty, and well, probably, like you say, he probably won't get that. Won't, you know, he'd probably right. get up two or three pounds max, isn't he, for, for that performance? But this is really interesting because you know, obviously, we had a lot more draws at Haydock. Uh, the other joint six to one joint favorite for the Air Gold Cup is Great Ambassador. Uh, Come on, the Great Ambassador, uh, friend of the show, and, Ray, <laughs> and obviously, he didn't get the chance to blow his mark in, in the group one contest, so um. You know, maybe you, maybe in the Air Gold Cup, I know what I know what uh, Dan and Kevin are tipping already uh, three weeks in advance. <laughs> well, yeah, this I, is I, it's I, Brendan I do, Dukes, to be fair, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, was it? It's his horse, yeah. I, I do fear that the trainer might not be quite on the same wavelength as the rest yeah. of the podcast. You, <laughs> you, you, you flagged this up. Minzel, is he? Yeah, you flagged this up, Kevin, a few times. We were all aboard the great Ambassador Express with Brendan Duke driving the train. And then you said that last week and I thought, I think Kevin might be right here. I'm not entirely sure they're on the same train as us. But anyway, we'll plough on, won't we, Kevin? Why not? Um, uh, sure, don't come this far. Exactly. <laughs> it takes no... a long time. It takes a long time to put a train into reverse. <laughs> well, it's quiet and there's no stop. We can get off now. So we're just on it, right? Uh, Mostadaf in the September stakes on the all weather at Kempton on Saturday. Gosden and Shadwell again. Good day continued for them. Uh, he has been introduced at 33s for the arc. And I wouldn't touch him, Kevin, at 133s <laughs> for the arc. So what are you saying about that? Um, he, he, look, he is a very good horse. Um, now, on balance, he's he's perhaps more of a group two horse than a group than a group one horse. Um, he was positionally in, in better shape here than Dubai Honor was, and he very much capitalised on it. Uh, like probably a career best. Like I sound like I'm damning him with faint praise, but like he has plenty of bits and pieces of form um, that 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 are quite eye catching. Like fi- finishing second in the main. Um, but this this was a career best. He made the best of the position he was in. Um, he's clearly highly effective on all weather surfaces. He's three from three now. Um, and yeah, on he goes. Um, it could be a challenge for him to win a group one, but um, he, he's earned his opportunity now. And um, yeah, let's see how he gets on. Well, he has probably. You're right. He, he has earned his opportunity. But I, like I say, couldn't have him in the arc, Tony. And I don't think you can either, can you? No. Um, be interested to see what they run her up because the runner up and the third were you know, giving lots to do from out the back. And Dubai, I know you'd think they're probably going to go maybe look for easier ground down in trip mile two for the, for the champion stakes in which he finished yeah. in last year. So uh, I think, you know, if you are, if they are looking towards that, then it was a, it was a decent run from a unpromising position for, for Dubai on Yeah. A couple of two-year-olds to talk about, including mischief magic, staying on the all weather, um, the Sirenia Stakes, the Group 3 winner at Kempton, another two-year-old for Godolphin, just going up nicely through the ranks, as you expect with their horses. Kevin, Mischief Magic's now 7-1 to from 12s for the Middle Park, but obviously the same team have the 2-1 to favourite and Noble Style. You're a Noble Style fan. Does Mischief Magic deserve to be, what, five points bigger price than Noble Style at this point? You just wonder will this will this switch them up? Will they will they, will they chop around and keep them apart? Um, yeah. Mischief Magic, like I think they seemed pretty sure that they wanted to keep Noble Style the six furlongs for the minute, if I'm recalling correctly. Whereas this fella would have the potential to go further. I don't think he necessarily needs it, but if you're, I think you could do it with him um, if if you wanted to. So it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. They, they, they're in very good shape with their two year olds, I think. Um, you know, this fella just won a group three. So, you know, the, you know, you, you could go for a group two. 
Um, you know, new the Miller Reef, he's entered as in there the closer. You know, that might be the ni- a nice opportunity to slip him in there up in grade, but not in the middle park. Um, if that doesn't come too soon. But yeah, he, he's an impressive horse, and I've kind of liked him all along. Um, and since he started off in, in what's proven to be a, a good novice race at Goodwood, and he's kind of rocked on and been impressive. So yeah, he's, he looks he looks another one for Charlie Appleby that could uh, potentially be be high class. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't like to be the man trying to work out the pecking order of Godolphin's two-year-olds at this stage. Um, but let's stick with two-year-olds and the middle park, actually, Tony, because another market mover in the middle park was Sakir um, for the Varian team. David Egan in the saddle bolted in on his second start. This was up in a, just a novice race at Haydock, really caught the eye. Now eight to ones from 14s for the middle park and was a very expensive breeze-up by back in yeah. May. Um David seemed very, very taken with him. I thought post race. Like you said, he was. I think he was five hundred fifty grand back in May at the Breeze Ups, wasn't he? And uh, yeah, he got well there, and he, he just sauntered home, didn't he? I don't think you know the depth of the race was was maybe there, but yeah, you couldn't argue with that. I was obviously naval pi- uh, naval power. You know, one at um, another Godolphin winner, one one at Haydock. I was a little yeah. bit underwhelmed by that, and I was definitely underwhelmed by. Afterwards, when I was I was told he was eight to one for the Guineas next year. Now, I I, I can't see that. I can't see that at all. Uh, I thought I was going to get double the quotes for for that. Yeah. But um, you know, they're going to the Royal Lodge, um, uh, the race where Caribus just got chinned last year. So we'll find out more about him there. But yeah, I'd like to say, yeah, naval power. You know, showed a good attitude to come through the gap and win there. But eight to one for the Guineas, no. Yeah, that was a bit of a disappointing race for me. That was where my racing any better nap was in that race, seeking gold. He didn't really show up. Yeah. And like you say, it was just a scrappy old event. And I know he was carrying the penalty. I know he had to get out of trouble. But I, I'm with you, Tony. I really I really wasn't that taken with naval power. But yeah, it, was a, it was a case of winning dirty, wasn't it? You know, it's messy it really race was. probably it's, didn't yeah. play to his strengths. He needed to, you know, a little bit of adversity. He looked in trouble there for a minute and... Um, yeah, he just he, he, the, the race didn't set up in a way that allowed that allowed it to sh- that allowed him to show just how good he is. But he managed to win, in fairness to him. Um, so while I'll agree that he looks a bit skinny at the minute for the classics, yeah. um, I suppose you have to look back to Ascot to maybe get a, a better reflection of him at this stage, and hopefully we get another look at him maybe in Group One company um, mm. before the end of the season to give us a, a broader picture of uh, of what he can do. Yeah, I think they said yeah. Lodge was probably the next target, but. He does seem to be a horse that is surprising them with each run, which I guess some definitely, people, yeah, yeah. Some people seem to like that angle because you know when they don't show a huge amount at home, they bring it to the track. I suppose that is probably a positive. Um, let's stick with Haydock. Quick mention for Triple Time won the Superior Mile for Kevin Ryan, Andrea Atzeni. Um, you, you rarely see Kevin Ryan quite as lit up about a horse to be fair, as he was about this horse. He clearly thinks the world of him. He's obviously had an issue along the way. But he's probably, and I think actually he remains a work in progress, Kevin, on the back of that run. You know, I think there's probably still plenty more to come from it. Yeah, look, he probably went under our radar when we previewed the race because um, everyone we talked about was a non-runner in this race pretty much. <laughs> it got, <laughs> got up quite badly. Ended up with four. Um but in fairness to this horse, like you say, clearly hasn't been super straightforward with him, but he did look, he was progressing very well when we last saw him as a two-year-old. Like he has that that big old pedigree 
um, being a half to, to Cape Byron and um, the, the great Hostilio and a whole heap of black type horses um, and being by Frankel, of course, that's no harm at all. And yeah, like this was a, this was a career best on his return from a feral absence. So like he will slot into to some one or two one or two of the big races at the end of the season. Will probably go in underestimated given his profile. And yeah, it look to be fascinating to see how he measures up because um, he, he's certainly going the right way. Yeah, I, I was quite taken with him. I think he's got a really big engine. Tony, anything to add? Not really. They said they uh, were looking at the arc meeting. Uh, for him but yeah I think it's more about potential rather than what he did at Haydock yeah uh, yeah. I know it was his first run for over a, for about a year and you know he did it very well but you know if they're talking about in terms of group one races he's got he's got a lot to prove on the back of that yeah, it's worth yeah. repeating the, some of the comments that, that you alluded to there Vanessa because like you said they are quite uh, quite eye-catching uh, this is Kevin Ryan a triple time is a very very good horse he's a special talent I was devastated when he went wrong before the Guineas because I thought we had a real chance. And that's, that's like you say, it's not like Kevin. That was, he's, he's not a man for big talk. And that, that, that no. qualifies as big talk. Yeah, it really, that was the thing I, no, that was the biggest thing I took away from the whole race, essentially, was his comments, those comments. So, yeah. Well, we wanted kept in training next year. That's why. Don't doubt it. Uh, oh, say, cynical whoa, whoa. Tony back. Look at that. Yeah. I love it. You see, this is what we missed on the podcast, Tony. Your cynicism. Great. Well, there's plenty more come to that, so stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> stay tuned. Right, let's move on. A couple of two-year-old fillies to mention. Juliet Sierra won the Dick Cool at Salisbury. Another nice type for Jubmont. Rafe Beckett, Rob Hornby. Uh, their excellent season continues. We were impressed. Cheveley Park, uh, now 12-1 to 1 for from 25s with Betfair for the Cheveley Park, Kev. Yeah, I don't think the bare form is is electric by any means, but um, look, she did well. She's by a sire like in Beta Brett, kind of underrated sire. And um, look, it was a big step up from Nottingham. Um, look, this race was what it was. It was kind of, you know, nine to two to field, um, you know, and, and, and she, I thought she did it well. Look, did she look a group one winner in the making to me? No, but, you know, she's clearly improving start to start and you, you wouldn't like to completely rule it out for all that to me anyway. Um, I wouldn't fancy it at the minute. Mm. Um, flight line romping home in the Pacific Classic Saturday night Tony yeah. um, you know obviously look it's, it's literally on in the middle of the night isn't it but I woke up and my timeline it's rare your timeline is blowing up about a horse yeah. in America in the middle of the night but either the Americans the English and the Irish the Europeans I think everyone can latch on to this flight line I don't know if he is as good as he looks, if he's an absolute monster or if he's overhyped, but either way, wow, wow, wow. I yeah. mean, what a performance just to watch. With time form rating 143 and just everything about the performance just is, is easy to justify that kind of figure. I mean, winning by, was it 19 and a half lengths from a Dubai, Dubai yeah. World Cup winner? Um, <laughs> the time, would have he would have busted the, the clock if he had been pushed out. <laughs> Just yeah. everything about busted the clock, anyway. <laughs> yeah, he, he just—he nearly beat. There wasn't there an eighteen-year-old course record that he just narrowly missed out on, but he would have beaten if if he had been pushed out. So everything about the performance backs it up. I, mean, I don't know if it's me or not, but I think people just are very skeptical of performances on dirt. Do, does does dirt lend itself to these wide margin performances more than turf? Is that why people are you know skeptical so. about it? I think it's sort of the nature of the racing, like because the turf racing, particularly in America, you know, to, to generalize, like it's it's a lot more 
steady then sprint and profile whereas the dirt racing you go hard and you see who can keep going hard for longer and you get plenty to just um that just you know don't and you get extended distances i think that that's probably a fair generalization i mean i, just, be- I remembered i like i said i was over in 2011 i went to the uh, pacific classic and i just went i couldn't remember who won it was acclamation um but yeah he didn't put out that kind of performance anyway but just yeah, incredible was- to watch and also incredible in terms of like you know the american commentaries do these sort of races so well for me it really like adds to the drama of the race when you watch it back and you watch back his runs prior to that as well just it is so cool to watch and we've got a couple of questions dylan braithwaite has asked are dirt ratings absolute mark excuse the pun and uh well answer that one first kev are dirt ratings absolute mark no, look, look, I view it now, again, some might disagree now, but I kind of, I, I don't like to certainly compare the two. You know, I, I would see dirt racing and turf racing as, you know, if to make it a, an ill-advised sporting comparison, a little bit like comparing rugby union and rugby league. You know, they're, they're similar in many, many ways, but they are very different in other ways. And, you know, we see so little crossover between the two codes now that, it, you know, it's become so rare for like a real good turf horse to have a crack at dirt. And like, it was always very rare for a real good dirt horse to have a crack at turf that, you know, it almost seems, it, it almost seems pointless trying to, trying to compare the two, but look, there, there are different types of racing and um, the dirt racing obviously is a bit more geographically um, confined, I suppose, to certain jurisdictions, but I wouldn't like to doubt it. And you look back through the form of the horses this lad is beating, and you know, it's grade one form, not just from America, but around the world, you know. And th- this horse isn't hasn't been a bolt from the blue, like he's he's had people talking for a long time. He's not um, a freak by any stretch of the imagination, like he's by the best sire in America and tap it, you know, he cost a million dollars as a yearling. Um, he has been sparingly raced and has been a little bit tricky to train clearly but every time he stepped on the track like he's done something like spectacular yeah. and, and this just took it to another level a little bit like Baid in that we knew he was very good going into the other day and the, the, almost the concern and the doubt was the trip you know stepping up and trip and then bang bang rather than you know <laughs> never mind you know the trip being a problem he's gone and you know lifted himself even further over it um, and like the way he did it like he started extending from the back straight. It's not like he punched a heap of lengths in the open, a couple of furlongs, bought him cheaply and punished no. him. Like he, he started opening up from the back straight. Like you watch those old videos of Secretariat and the Belmont and that. And like, I don't think it's, you know, going over the top to make those sort of comparisons. No, neither the- do I. People seem to get offended by that. But just, I think, you know, there are definite, some obvious comparisons, including, like you say, Kev, the way in which he did it. In that yeah, and, style. Yeah. and you also have to say, like, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. It's a little bit like our, you know, the way jumps fans in this part of the world kind of go into auto poo poo mode when flat racing comes up. You know, I think a lot of our, um, I say our, you know, our British and Irish uh, racing followers, they go into auto poo poo mode when it comes to Americans, particularly dirt racing, uh, because it's just not for them in the main, you know, visually it's a different type of spectacle, but um, I wouldn't be downplaying this guy at all. Like he was already um, certainly the best dirt horse in the world and one of the, the best horses full stop in the world before this. And now, um, you know, officially he's going to be rated higher than Baid and, um, and he's earned it, you know, because that yeah. was, that was special. Top it top. really was. 
and well, uh, we can look forward to seeing him at the Breeders' Cup because I think that's where he's like I, you know, I, now maybe this is all out there now, but I don't follow the scene as closely. Uh, I, you know, it would be interesting to hear the story why he's been so sparely raced and why he continues to be sparely raced because you know it's two months until the Breeders' Cup, um, and yet they're saying right now, like, yeah, he's not going to run again until then. Um, yeah, so but it will he, be. Look, we can expect, no doubt, with NBC coverage and all the, the media coverage now that goes into the Breeders' Cup, no stone will be left unturned telling this story. And he will be the star going into that meeting. So we can look forward to the build-up. Mm. The, uh, King of Dairy Queen, as one of the questions came through, don't know how your US handicapping is, but I've been here I've been over here for nearly 20 years and never in my life have I seen anything like Flightline. What a superstar. He is worth more than an honourable mention, Tony. He beat bona fide grade one horses by the length of the stretch. Well, look, we've given him way more than uh, honourable mention. Going back to the previous question, I think there is a bit of snobbery um, when people over here refer to kind of like dirt racing. um, Yeah, there is, there is. But it shouldn't be when it comes... No, exactly. It's, 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 it's probably interesting because it, it's I now I'm again making assumptions here, but I assume this horse hasn't necessarily grabbed the wider public in America in the same style he would have if he'd been competing in the Triple Crown races. Because no, really the, tri- the Triple clearly. Crown races are really the window into the mainstream in American racing, and and he missed all of that. So yeah, this this might have been his uh, his his his. Um, his introduction to a wider public and then yeah breeders cup like you say vanessa they, they'll pump it to the max and rightfully so rightfully so exactly and we'll enjoy every minute of that build up um a couple of other horses to mention from the weekend quick mentions on the european scene uh obviously ed walker's five-year-old dream loper won the prix de moulin um but it was yet another sucker punch for racing as Leading Light, Guinea's winner, St. James's Palace winner and general star Caribus lost his life in the race. And to be honest with you, Kev, I have not watched it back. A uh, bit of a signal all round as far as I was concerned. You know, yeah, obviously, the, whatever for the winner. But I think when you lose a horse like that, it's hard to... Um, well, I haven't watched the race back anyway. Yeah, it was a really ugly one there as well, Vanessa. It was, it was rough. He was, it looked like he was coming there to deliver a challenge and obviously went, went catastrophically wrong. Um, so yeah, re- really tough one for all concerned. Commiserations to them all. You know, this was a, a classic winner, multiple Group One winner. Was going to be a stallion, the type of horse that uh, we all get out of bed in the morning in the hope of being associated with. And uh, there for that to happen on a on a Group One stage is is rough stuff. Um, of course, we, we we don't we don't want to lose perspective given everything that's going on at the minute. But um, in terms of horses, that that was pretty rough. Um, uh, but look, not to take away from Dream Loper either because. You know, beating order of Australia by five lengths is, is a very strong effort. You know, represents a, a career best for her. Um, she'd been a bit disappointing at Goodwood. I, I fancied her that day in the in the Nassau, um, and it didn't happen. And look, she's come back in trip here and, and and lifted her form to another level. So maybe the trip was the thing. You know, she, they they've been trying her over nine and ten all season. Goes back to a mile. She does this. Um, maybe that's the key. I'm not sure, but it certainly coincided with with a good chunk of improvement. Yeah, and a mention also for Torquedo Tasso, obviously the ARC winner, uh, came out in Germany, beaten Tony, um, yeah. and a nice hefty bound for Frankie, another Euro, well, English Brit jockey going over to Germany, coming back with a pretty hefty bound from the weekend. 
Yeah, got another two weeks off. I'm sure that pleased John Gosden, trying to keep him in check, wasn't it? But yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, the, the 14 day ban on the on the back of that ridiculous 23 day ban for Ross Coakley, uh, yeah, harsh. But yeah, mate, I was half interested in the winner at a, a big price. I went and had a look at Mendocino, what price he, that one is for the arc, and he was 50 plus on the exchange, which in wow. a race. But it's lacks death behind Baye this year. Um, I thought that was half interesting, but um, no, it's a, a disappointing defeat for the Ark winner there for sure. Yeah, yeah and just I mean, in terms of the whip band, Vanessa, like it, it obviously look it is very over the top. But look, I'm, I'm not I'm not upset with the approach. You know, like my view on, on a whole load of things with, with regard to um, with regard to race riding is if you make the punishments so harsh. You know, they'll make the rules pretty much unbreakable. And like these bands are really, really tough. But if either of those guys go back to Germany, I, I guarantee you they won't be breaking them again. Yeah. If you, if you chop off hands for shoplifting, Vanessa, you won't get much shoplifting. <laughs> this is very true. This is very well, true. Why make the obvious joke about horse racing jurisdiction? I was just about to say, don't, don't, don't. I, I could see, I could feel where you were going to go. There. Let's yeah, move I, on. I was all over that South Korea uh, uh, racing at the weekend as well, yeah. I'm sure you are, yeah. Uh, let's move on, guys, and discuss some of the news headlines from the weekend. That's the review section done and dusted. Um, I guess the big talking point from Saturday and Haydock was the fact there was 34 non-runners across the card due to the ground. Uh, the clerk of the course was putting it back on the BHA in terms of a directive for going. Tony, what can we do about this? Like, Is it the BHA? Is, is the drive coming from the BHA side? Or was this a misstep from the clerk of the course? No. What could have been done differently? Look, we, we have a situation um, in this country where we get so many overwater tracks. I mean, Newmarket, especially the July course. I mean, Michael Prosser gets away with murder in the media for what, what he does at that track. And there was some criticism directed towards um, Stickles at Ascot on the weekend where the ground turned, you know, good to soft after just two and a half mil because he was watering quite heavily on the Monday and the Wednesday beforehand. Um, no, the only, the only thing I would say is everyone was talking about there was a load of rain forecast uh, going to Haydock um, on the Saturday. I think Kirkland said it was eight to ten mil. Uh, and he said, that I think their own private assessor told them that. But and I, and obviously, I, as you know, from racing any better, I'm, I'm quite anal about looking at all the forecasts. And I couldn't find a forecast that suggested there was going to get more than one mil. But, you know, on Racing TV on Friday, they were saying, oh, yeah, rains, forecasts, etc. But maybe that's Kirkland was feeding them into that and they didn't look for themselves. But so that I would say there wasn't that amount of rain forecast anywhere else, apart from what Kirkland was privately being being fed uh, but no I, I don't think you can criticize him at all um you know like i said if he damned if you do he damned if you don't um you know, it was obviously very the time the time bandits were saying it was very quick ground on the friday obviously when they missed all the rain it was you always going to get some carnage but no i just let nature take its course and i don't think you can criticize him at all uh, but what i do think with the trainers taking out uh, horses to the degree they did. I think they quite, they quite, uh, they tacitly laid down a marker here and just say, look, we don't want ground, we don't want firm ground ever, ever again. And I think, mm. I think they, I think they, you know, they, they, they're sending out a message to the clerks of the course that they won't have it because you, yeah, you, well, you, if, if you were a clerk of the course now, 
you're looking at what happened on Saturday, thinking, yeah. Jesus Christ, don't want that to happen at my meeting. It's going to so be I'll just shove a load more water. It's going to be obviously that was a complete nightmare for punters. Where rule four upon rule four, got the old Borough Cup going from fifteen to six. But in the long term, you, you know, Clarks are better off just like letting nature take its course because the main gripe for punters is rain on water ground is a no-no. But even on Saturday. You've got horses that had firm ground form being taken out. Now, have all the trainers got together and just say, look, let's try and make a point here, like Newbury, uh, Newbury kind of like boycott-like, and just say, look, we, we are not going to have firm ground ever again. If you're a clerk of the course, I think they sent a message loud and clear, if silent. David yeah. Mayer's question here, Kev, um, sort of ties in slightly uh, as if nine non-runners wasn't cringeworthy enough, the old Borough Cup was further devalued by charging thunder being allowed to compromise chances of half the field with impunity. Something needs to be done before all punters find something better to do on a Saturday afternoon. Messy old Haydock situation. Yeah, um, yeah it, it was. It was. Um, and look, you know, viewers are well established at this stage, but... Uh, just to go briefly back to the watering question um, and in terms of where we're going and this and what the future holds, like it's just another uh, another example why, Vanessa, we all need to embrace our all-weather future. No. Because, because I was only talking to someone about this and I, I say it with a smile on my face, but I'm only half joking. When, when And we can talk because we're, we're amongst friends now and we can talk freely and not, not worry about kind of letting the cat out of the bag. But when our friends in, in the green parties and environmental campaigners realize how much water is put down on race courses so that, so that horses can have, can have a nice surface to run on. Um, God, they're going to start rearing up something rotten, aren't they? Stop. I, I, saw, I saw a news article about Chelmsford. They, they've laid a, a turf track there. Um, in recent times, they were hoping to race on it this this um, autumn. I don't think they will. They've put down something like three million litres of water just to keep it green there through the, the dry period. You know, how's that going to wash for people, the hose pipe bands, etc.? I know a lot of tracks have their own reservoirs and that, but... Um, badly, yeah, it's going it, to wash it, badly it, with the old climate change act. Yeah, you know, sure. I, I know it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, an awkward point, but... Um, anyway, you know, I love all weather racing anyway, Vanessa. I think the whole thing would be a whole lot easier if we didn't have to be worried about weather forecasts and watering this and, you know, track biases here and there. Um, all weather tracks are just much more straightforward, Vanessa, aren't they? Well, you'd be embracing it, but you might be in the minority with that. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just uh, dye it green on. and most, most people won't notice. The first fellow to come up anyway. with some nice, some nice green all weather surface will make a fortune. Stop. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Tony. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Manny Playle in the Racing Post wrote an article this week in regards to Aidan O'Brien's two-year-olds, essentially saying that she hadn't been very impressed by them, mm. which then got quite a dramatic reaction, as is yeah. typical of bloody racing Twitter, essentially, with people sort of, to paraphrase, telling her to shut up, pipe down because she doesn't know what she's talking about because Aiden's two-year-olds on the set look like a very strong force this year. But, and Stephen Home, we do have a question on this when he's, he, his question here is, what has happened to the Racing Post? I'm all for people expressing their opinions, but how anyone can say Bally Doyle have a poor bunch of two-year-olds this year boggles my mind. 
I guess the point is here, well, from my point of view anyway, is she had an opinion. She's there to write a piece and she's decided to put her opinion down on paper. Yeah. I don't think she should have had the reaction she got just for voicing her view on something like that. It's just ridiculous. Let's, let's be straight. There's a massive element of um, she got the stick she is because she's a young 23-year-old female in a predominantly male world. And I'll... I'll you know, I don't think she got that much stick. I mean, people have pointed out that one tweeter uh, responded to her, get back in the kitchen and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of the criticism is born out of that. Um, but if you look at it in isolation, you take away the byline um, and you just read the article, it's basically a, quite a poor piece. Quite a, You know, if you are going to be that punchy, um, and she was probably let down by the headline. It was like the jury is out over the potential of the Aidan O'Brien's juveniles. I mean, if, if you're going to go into bat like that, then you're going to have to go in with facts, stats, and not only an opinion. Everyone can have an opinion. Nobody's got any problem with that. And the main article was based around the fact that, you know, she didn't think, she didn't think Little Big Bear or Blackbeard would train on the Group 1 winners. Uh, but to, to to say that you know you're you're, you're quite discouraged by the O'Brien ju uh, uh, juveniles, you see, it's just basically just bullshit, isn't it? I mean, you, you just go back and have a look at the season. He's at, the Aidan O'Brien fan site said he's been doing you know on Twitter for twelve years. He's never seen a a great adept of their juvenile division, and you know they've won both Group Ones. They've got what's Little Big Bed, you know, what's he rated? And they've, got loads, and they've got loads and loads of promising horses coming through. She was mentioning horses that were injured on their, when disappointing or on their previous starts. And the, the, the article really fell down is she's, you know, it wasn't a, a big article, but she, she had 11 paragraphs about Denmark and about how she didn't rate Denmark. Now Denmark's a seven to two winner of a mile nace main. And, and the article was basically all about Denmark and how she didn't rate that horse. And, you know, if, you, if you're going to do that, preempt the criticism, make it a balanced piece because he's, yeah. got, any, he's got any number of, uh, you know, pro-profile horses. I mean, she could well be right. Little Big Bear might not train on. Um, you know, Black Bear might train on. You might not even see him again. They might be packed off to stud as, you know, as, as two-year-old stallions. But the problem is, if you write an article that's that light in facts in backing up the case, you are going to get criticism. And I, I think it's it's the demise of a strong sub-bench, um, um, sub-editor's bench, that is. And, you know, the editor should have just looked at that article and just say, look, you know what you know you're going to get a lot of criticism here because you're being, you know, you're being quite ballsy here. You're being, being very selective. Let's get a bit of balance into that article and lessen the appeal. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot of the a lot of the criticism came from the fact is she is a young female in a male dominated world, and I don't think you, that's particularly arguable. No, I think you know, like like you said there, you don't have to agree with the piece, but at the same time, I think you know people should be able to voice their opinions without yeah. being shot down yeah. quite so aggressively. You should, be able to, you should be able to challenge that without without people. Without people going, oh, just don't jump on her back. You know, there's countless worse articles in the Racing Post. But there are. I mean, I read a piece, <laughs> I read a piece by Peter Thomas last week about affordability checks, and it was like 10 times as worse as that. It's like okay. you know, Peter yeah, Thomas yeah, turns yeah. out some absolute garbage. We can stand by for the heavens. To the to that degree on Twitter. 
And look, look, I think Maddie's got done in by the headline here for me because like I, I don't mind the piece. I don't I don't necessarily agree with it. Personally, I'd like to see a, a bit more kind of numbers to it. Um, but I, I don't mind that it. it's an opinion. Uh, I actually quite quite like Maddie playing and I've enjoyed watching her progress, you know, and she she she'll only continue to get better because she like you say, she is so young, but she's been absolutely done in by that headline. Yeah. For me, that, that headline doesn't really match up with, with what she's actually that's wrote. what I mean about a strong yeah, sub. Yeah. yeah. You're going to get sure. a lot of shit for this. Let's, let's tone down the headline. Yeah, well, this is it. But you, you, we know why headlines like that are written. You know, you, you you write that headline, you make that your your strap on on Twitter, and people go nuts. You know, and a lot of people won't even read the article. They'll just draw assumptions based on the headline, and that, well, that's Kevin, what tends to happen. And we've all and, been in that boat. We've all been let down by headline writers. I'm sure. But, <laughs> and is 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 that something like what's happened with the Paul Hannigan piece by any chance as well? That just ties yeah. in with that. Yeah, well, and, uh, slightly different in that, the, like the Paul Hannigan piece, I actually thought it was quite good. It, it was it was honest, um, but it's just because the the kind of the line he's taking on the face of it represents such a contradiction of the way he wrote a Royal Ascot that people, uh, you know, you look at the comments underneath that on Twitter, there's, you, you can tell exactly who's read it and who hasn't. Um, you know, because plenty of people would just are uh, calling him out as a hypocrite without having read the piece where he basically holds his hands up and says, Yeah, look, look what I did was clearly wrong. And if what if if the mistake I made is a catalyst for changing the rules, um, I think that's a good thing because he he believes the rules should be changed and the punishments should be changed. He even suggested that they could be doubled. Um, I'd go even harder than that, as as, as regular listeners would know. But um, I thought it was an, an admirable piece. He didn't need to write it, and he did. Um, you know, it, um, alludes to some of the weighing room culture, a change in that, um, some maybe some lack of respect from the younger guys. Um, because I think you have to take into account, like, uh, like the weighing room is a really strange place in many ways, in that you have 16-year-old children essentially going in um, riding against you know guys that are fifty plus and have been doing the job professionally for thirty years. Like there's not there's not many places that happens in a sporting environment. And you have you'll have these weird hierarchies and personalities that dominate. You know it's it's a strange old setup. Um, and you know that's why I was always so uncomfortable with this this notion of self policing when you have such a a, hier- a difference in in demographics etc. But I thought it was a good piece. It's worth reading, you know, rather than just leaping to, to conclusions from the headlines. But it was behind the paywall. I thought the nature of it, it shouldn't have been behind the paywall. But uh, that's none of my business. That's just my opinion. No. Okay, let's move on to listeners' question, guys, because we are running out of time and we've got some good questions to get through. So we kick off. Uh, Lee Chapman, should there be no racing on a Monday? Ireland, I'm sure, do this. Yes or no, Tony? No racing on a Monday over here? Here we are on Monday with Galway on. He's, he's <laughs> going to shit the bed when he looks at the fixture list today. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't know what he's... He must have had a heavy weekend, no. Okay. Alistair White, <laughs> I, I, are commentators contractually obliged to refer to any Irish or French horse running in England as a raider? It did make me laugh when I looked at that question because... <laughs> Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna, um, I was gonna not pull you up on on um, on when we did racing any better last week. You just say, oh, you, when anybody puts headgear on, it's always reach for the headgear, isn't it, and stuff like that. It's like, oh, I know. Racing, can, racing you... is so racing is. They get these phrases in our head. Everyone in race, everyone's the same. You know, it's it's like reach for the headgear. It's like a classic example, like Irish Irish raider and stuff. So I think across the media, we're all we're all kind of guilty, aren't we? 
you can pull me up on that, Tony, going forward. No, no, because I, I use it all the time as well. It's just like, <laughs> it's just my head that we all we get can... all the time, don't we? Yeah, okay. Um, Bath transfers. Uh, SD Racing Services has asked, should Bath be able to transfer its fixtures at all, given the field sizes? This applies to any track for that matter. And if yes, should they be able to move from turf to the all-weather? And then we have another question on this from Lawrence. It's a says, really good follow-up, yeah. I'm flummoxed at the moment as I've got non-refundable expensive accommodation in Bath for Saturday night. And the meeting I was due to go to is now 110 miles away in Foss Lass. Silly for booking non-refundable, but never thought it would get switched. Is this another situation, Tony, of sort of race courses and uh, kind of not really taking into consideration the actual concerns of the customers who are planning on paying to, well, for a ticket and going through the turnstiles? It's specific to Bath, isn't it? Because Bath is, I think, the only course that can't water. Um, so obviously they're, they're absolutely been shafted this this summer, um, I, I read that they were being switched to Wolverhampton, but um, and previous fixtures <laughs> from there have, have pick been your pick your poison there. <laughs> yeah, I know, but at least Wolverhampton's probably nearer than Foss isn't it? I'm but, an expert on oh, yeah. both those tracks, so if you want to come to me, Lawrence, I will advise you which you would prefer, Wolverhampton or Foss Lass. I'll make a pros and cons. He's probably got a three hundred pound hotel in that really nice part of Bath, isn't he? In the, in the lovely the Crescent well, yeah. area there. And well, he's, got go, he's, got, he's got to join about 13 other people were cheering on his horse at Wolverhampton. Jesus. Lawrence's bad results going out. Like, I love bad. I think bad's one of the, the nicest towns in England. Let's go hang around in bad for a couple of days. Ideal. Go and see the yeah. bats themselves. Love and that's coming, from a, that's coming from an all-weather junkie there that wants everything, <laughs> every bit of grass whipped up and replaced by yeah. dirt. Hey, I start with bad. Don't need any water up in bad, lads. Lay down some nice putty track. Lovely. Well, that's got to be the first course to go when global warming really kicks in, isn't it, Kicks in. Uh, Daniel S. has asked, why do, why do our races predominantly go off late when in Ireland they can get them off pretty much on schedule? Wouldn't it be great if we just had some performance-related policing in, in many aspects of racing? You mentioned two things there, small fields. Right, lads, if you can't get five runners for the race, the race is dead. Off your car. Unlucky. If you can't get your race off on time, you know, within two minutes of the off time, you get fined. Three yeah. minutes, bigger yeah. fine. Four minutes, bigger fine. Five minutes, someone gets shot. That's the way to do it. Well, you know, don't you, Vanessa? I mean, someone gets shot. It's an absolute nightmare, isn't it? Well, I can on those busy days, you know, from a sort of behind the scenes point of view, literally, I mean, when races start going off at the wrong times to even just one, two, three minutes late, when you're literally on such a tight schedule, it's a, an absolute nightmare for the producers. And of course, the biggest thing for me is it means that you can't we can't give the sport the attention and the coverage it deserves if because one racetrack is off late, it bumps into the next. And then it means that we're out. My horses on track at Bath, let's say, are already going into the stalls. I can't I can't describe. Well, I think what really bar. blows my bollocks is when you get them BHA uh, updates on Twitter, didn't you? The, the, the 520 at Haydock has been has been moved to 521. As if, you know, as if yeah. that's going to make any difference whatsoever. Yeah, that happens Those... in Ireland a lot now as a request from the broadcasters. The, the times will now be moved one minute back or forward or whatever. And then, you know, yeah. ask her 
15 minutes laid off for some reason it's just <laughs> blows my bollocks i don't even think i've ever had i don't think i've ever heard that before tony no, it's like you say I, i've probably been listening to that libby hotwood that uh the australian presenter <laughs> oh. who keeps on um an interesting attire when giving her tips and on top i mean i'm all here for libby like good honor making some cash out of those desperate horrific men in their underwear ah oh, that's harsh poor old man <laughs> could be women make... as well Vanessa don't be sexist well yeah okay fair comment fair comment in this woke world but at least she's making some cash out of it Harry's and just fainting by the way good, good <laughs> cash by the way um, question in regards to the Racing Post Graham Rodway was controversial again on the Racing Post Twitter feed at the weekend, uh, making some pretty punchy statements. And David Brown has flagged this up, saying, "Do you actually believe he believes what he says, or does he just say them to make to be relevant and get a response?" Um, he's pretty unimpressed with his comments. Like, uh, you know, this has happened a few times before with Graham Rodway. Yeah, Vanessa, we, we talked earlier about uh, people auto-poo-pooing uh, American racing, etc. And uh, I think we're, in, we're now in the territory of people auto-slagging uh, Graham Rodway, no matter what he <laughs> says, because he's come out with some with some shockers and fairness. But this one is actually perfectly reasonable. He, ba- he basically floated the thought that connections trainers should be obliged to uh, notify uh, the betting public if they're um, if, if they're planning a, a notable change in tactics and uh, which might sound like like bananas to to people that only watch British and Irish racing but like there is an international precedent like this is what happens in Australia and I think in Hong Kong as well like if you have a front runner that you're going to decide that you're going to set out to hold up like you you notify the stewards and they announce it um, so it isn't ridiculous at all. Now, would it would it ever float over here and would the trainers cop it? I don't know, but to suggest it like isn't mad at all. But uh, when when when, uh, when Rodders, as they call him, G Rod, when he only says anything now, and his uh, his very considerate colleagues in the race and post clip it up in the most incriminating way possible, so it's taken completely out of context. They, like I say, it's like with the headline writers, they know exactly what they're doing. <laughs> they absolutely yeah, bury him. Absolutely, they, bury they do. They do. They're really shafted. Ter- terrible um, culture in the racing post. <laughs> <laughs> throwing their colleagues under the bus over there, left, right, and centre. Although you two would do that to me so i don't know right. uh, we're doing so, we're doing a smile with a smile though wouldn't we yeah yeah you would you do it don't know if it makes straight, it any better but you know what i mean straight under the bus but we're smiling at you Vanessa. don't worry um tony we have a question from paddy here we'll ask again how mick quinn is part of the racing league given his past animal welfare issues that I mean like he does get a lot of shit on twitter i mean when i when i came back i when the racing league started I'd scroll down and stuff, but he gets a lot of grief, doesn't he? I mean, look, obviously, he got a two and a half year ban in 2001. He came back in 2004. You know, it's, like I say, I'm, you know, I, I, I would have more issue with his, with his prowess as a trainer rather than, rather than his record going back, you know, 17 years. If you went through, if you gave grief, retrospective grief to everyone in racing who's done something wrong, then you know they wouldn't, you wouldn't be broadcasting to many people or with many people, would you? So yeah, yeah I, I, look, I can understand where he's coming from, but it's 18 years ago. Just move on. 
Yeah, and look, nobody's going to defend what happened, but Jesus, lads, if you're getting if you're getting worked up, and like like Tony says, this is every week you get people commenting along these lines. If you're going to get upset about Nicky Quinn being a racing league manager, how upset must they have been when the BHA gave him a license to train for about twenty each and every year for about twenty years after um, his case had concluded and the and the punishment was served, etc. Yeah, how upset how how upset must trainers must be when he's trying to tell them what to enter and where and why. <laughs> I mean, you've got to get your priorities <laughs> on, straight when you're, when you're getting your knickers in a twist. You've got to get your priorities straight. And got a yeah, worse strike rate the- than Jeremy Gaskab when the, when right. Kevin used to work there. Four percent. Right. He had a very good strike rate when I was working there. On all weather, four percent on turf. The all weather. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Would have been champion trainer if I got my way. <laughs> Let's just move on then. Uh, we have a question here from Sort It Out. Um, Liz Truss has just been confirmed as the new Prime Minister here in the UK. And the question is in, re- and the question is in relation to this. Uh, could we convince Liz Truss to relinquish her job as Prime Minister to become head of the BHA? She can't do half as much damage there as it's already beyond recall. And uh, Tony, this does tie in with also yeah. the new recent appointment of Greg Swift, which has been announced as the new BHA Director of Communications and Corporate Affairs. Yeah. And of course, this has to be a positive in regards to the now new Prime Minister Liz Truss, because Greg obviously comes from her team, so to yeah. speak. So formerly her PR man. So surely this is a positive to fend this, off this the could be the gambling cutest, mob. Almost cynical thing that Julie Harrington, or well, the first thing Julie Harrington's done in her 21 year, 21 month reign so far. But this guy is obviously used to work for Liz Truss. He's worked on Brexit and he's worked with the number 10 and the PM. So probably hasn't hasn't really excelled in in those areas, but it's a very it's probably a very very cute thing to do with a gambling you know with a gambling review going on the white paper, um, and if he's got Liz Truss's ear, uh, then it's probably a very very shrewd move for the BHA if if a touch cynical because like I said his, his CV wouldn't fill you with uh, with much optimism, but like I said if he's got the new prime minister's ear, then good news for racing and good Tell news. You, very quickly, we just I just spotted an update there on the tweet machine. Um, Minzal has seemingly come back very jarred from Haydock, oh, and uh, they're they're going to see what he's like in the next ten days before they make a decision. But uh, to me, it sounds like there's a possibility we mightn't see him again this season. That's or the last may, may, maybe never again. Yeah, Jesus on the race course at least. So you ain't going to get firm ground ever again now. Then, no, I was just yeah, about to say go. that's the yeah. nail in the coffin for any firm ground. Uh, let's just try to get through a couple more questions before we wrap up, I think. Um, a more fun one, Gary Stevens. If horses could talk and you could share an evening dining with any equine legend, past or present, what's the panel's favourite cut cutaway on UK and Irish tracks? Oh, I think we used to say it back in the day, but on the soul would have been some crack in the night out, wouldn't it? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> young yeah. on the young on the soul, not the not the, not the later version, or no, maybe a bit of, maybe a bit of George Washington. He'd be I'd he'd love for to an interesting one. He'd get I'd you in trouble, gone, I'd say. I'd gone for I would have gone for a drink with Mad Moose. You know, just like <laughs> he, would, like he wouldn't he wouldn't have made it there. He, he, he wouldn't, wouldn't, have, left wouldn't have shown room. up. Wouldn't have shown up. No, exactly. <laughs> well, um, I'd have had a chat with Frank or just say, "What do you mean you got fear of flying?" Just <laughs> like uh, like Mister T in that. Um, <laughs> I can't believe what the programme was now, anyway. The A-team. 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 <laughs> the A-team. The A-team. Uh, last question. Um, Big Yam Mobley stunt double is with a question again. Bobby. 
He's oh, a sorry, ex sorry. Liverpool football player. Sorry, sorry, it's sorry. favourite tweet. Sorry, I was actually just deciding which which questions to go with because we are running out of time. Yeah, so there are some questions that have not been answered. Tony, you're going to have to answer these ones on the tweet machine, the ones that we yeah, have. There, there are only ones being nasty about Tomo and Graham Cunningham, so we can, right, okay. we can ignore them. Uh, so last question. Racing both codes is struggling with its product. Reputation and customer, uh, customer experience... We all look back nostal nostalgically. Wow. But what elements would you amplify, change or bring in to reignite the magic of the biggest festivals and race days? More prize money, fewer races expected. Yeah, a nice one to drop in at the end there, Vanessa. Yeah, when you know what, this wasn't time. a good choice. This so wasn't it's, a good it's, choice. It's, it's a quick answer, lads. Just more all-weather racing and we'll be in business. <laughs> I, you, know, you know, when they go around the race course with barrels on the back of lager and stuff like that, if they went if they substituted gin and tonic for that and only charged a quid, that's what I would do. You would absolutely get racecourse crowds would be absolutely heaving. One quid gin and tonic pint from the tap portable. Yeah, and all the all the fights would make for a really entertaining day out. Yeah, but like I said, you, you get all the fighting out of the way before the racing starts. You know, if you got if you got a two p.m. start, you could get all the fighting uh, and get all the drugs people chucked out by one o'clock, and all the racing people could enjoy the to enjoy the day. Get all Tony, the drugs, what a game! Drugs out, job done. Yeah, Tony's on. I love Tony's answer. Just alcohol on backpacks, like that's yeah. exactly. No, no gin and tonic. None of this. None of this, none of this cheap lager shite. Gin and right. tonic. All red Hello, wine. Guys. We haven't answered that question very successfully, I'm afraid, but we have run out of time and our boss, Barry, gets cross with us when we go over an hour. So we are going to wrap up now. Uh, like I said, any listeners' questions that came in that haven't been answered, Tony will get stuck into on Twitter, hopefully, if he's got a bit of time. Um, but as for that, uh, thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back with Racing Only Better on Thursday. Uh, I think we have two episodes, Thursday and Friday, for Irish Champions Weekend. Obviously, it's St. Ledger Festival as well. Loads of good racing to get stuck into over the coming week. Uh, enjoy yourself. And as ever, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Bye.